This episode of Homeschooling in Real Life is brought to you by Caroline's Coffee. They roast five days a week and use their experience to guarantee consistently good coffee. This is Fletch, and about a month ago I read an article in the Washington Post uh, by an author that was proclaiming that racism in schools is pushing more black families to homeschool their children. And just the article title alone caught my attention. And so I went through the effort to contact the author, and I got her on the phone for a very interesting interview. The article by Professor Ama Mazama from Temple University was based on research that she performed from 2010, where she interviewed African-American families uh, and their reasons for homeschooling. I began the interview asking her whether she found any common ground between white uh, homeschooling families and then African-American homeschooling families. You know, I don't think that my concept of racial protectionism would make sense for white homeschoolers. I would not expect that. But I would expect that we would have similar concerns about what could happen or what would happen to our children if we send them to school, uh, not just from a racial standpoint or not from a racial standpoint, but from other standpoints, you know. You know, one of the things I loved about this interview with Ama Mazama is not only is she a professor and graduate director for doctoral students on the topic of African American studies at Temple University, but she's a homeschool mom. I mean, she's in the trenches and knows about homeschooling firsthand. And I loved the fact that she's an expert in this field and was willing to have the conversation with us. So, over the next few episodes, we're going to be talking about this topic. We think it's an important topic for homeschoolers to uh, begin dialoguing through. Why the rise in African-American homeschooling? Stick with us. Episode 52, Part 1. This is Homeschooling in Real Life. Welcome to the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. This is Fletch. And I'm Kendra. As veteran homeschooling parents, we discuss topics that tend to divide and distract Christian homeschoolers from each other and the gospel. On the Homeschooling IRL podcast, we promise to be honest, transparent, and witty as we uncover what it means to homeschool in real life. Hey, this is Fletch. And this is Kendra. We want to welcome you to episode 52 of Homeschooling in Real Life. We're just coming off our huge celebration last week. Oh, yes. We we celebrated 50 episodes. I hope you guys liked that show we put together. We had a lot of feedback. You know, most of the feedback I got was from our own children. <laughs> yeah. They were laughing in the backseat of the van. <sighs> there are just some things that probably should have been cut. You don't mean all the stuff about me making fun of you? Do you? Yeah. <laughs> so in the next 50 episodes, I will try and find 50 errors that I make. Okay, thanks. I don't do those. So uh, what's going on around the Fletcher House as we're coming off the celebration? Yeah, well, it's been a busy week because we're at the end of school, the end of the school year. And so I, I feel like everybody has stuff, you know? You mean uh, school stuff to finish? Well, yeah, but just, and then like end of the year choir stuff and then the last Sports. baseball game. And yeah, we had the, some baseball. Yeah, exactly. And so Church, uh, even youth group tends to wrap up with a school session. Yeah. So uh, we had something fun we did this weekend that we got to go to our kids' uh, presentation at the little charter school they go to in the country here. And it was, uh, I I went in thinking that it was uh, display someone you love or like a person of influence in your own life. Oh, you did? That's what I thought. Oh, that's interesting. The first, nope. ep- the first <laughs> demonstration I saw was Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> so the actual uh, emphasis of this right. presentation was someone who's influenced... Culture, Culture. Yeah. yeah, in society, in a positive way. Right, and I'm trying to think how Led Zeppelin did that. Led uh, Zeppelin, yeah, there were some funny ones like one. that. I, yeah. This ended up being a bunch of high school freshmen, sophomore, junior, seniors who were 
pretty much just promoing things that they love. <laughs> well, no, okay, true. That's However, there were some that um, I think, well, okay, so I talked to one young woman because what they have to do is they have to have their presentation sort of like a science fair. So they have yeah. like, you know, the board and everything with all their info and they have to write an essay on it and then they also have to dress in costume. Yeah, so for example, our daughter was Abraham Lincoln. Right, exactly. She dressed like Abraham Lincoln. She did, but I met one young lady who did um, a, her whole thing on a woman named Jane Adams. And I, I approached her because I said, I have no idea who this is. So, you know, school me in this. And she said she wanted to do, she herself wants to go into early education. She wants to be a kindergarten teacher. And so she was looking for somebody in education. And she said it was between two women that she, she learned about as she was trying to figure out what to do. And she chose this one because she um, was further back in history and she wanted to dress in period costume. <laughs> oh, that's pretty fine. See, that's that's what I mean, though, because we had one, right. there was one young woman that, that did Jehovah's Witnesses, which I'm pretty sure that, like, that's not a huge thing of influence in our culture. She's just a Jehovah's, Jehovah's Witness, Witness. Right, right, right. and found the opportunity to be like, you know, a evangelist for Jehovah's Witness because right. her that whole Jehovah's funny. Witness family was there and they right. all had like JW.org shirts on. So it was like, hey, our daughter's given us an opportunity. So that was one. Yeah. There um, was a little bit of that. I mean, there was the girl who did John Lennon. And, you know, there was somebody like who the did lovin'. Disney. They had but, like the love in bed. The one. Yeah, yeah, that was funny. Like a, it was like John Lennon sitting in bed. And then our son did um, men of science. Uh, not men, but just people of science. But happened to choose uh, no, he, two, two yeah. dentists. Well, he did. But he did um, so how science had progression during the industrial Age. Yeah, and he did anesthesia and mm-hmm. um, x-rays. So yeah. Dr. Renchen, who did the x-rays, and Horace Wells was the dentist who uh, right. invented nitrous oxide. So, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> um, well, no, and, but that's a cool thing, too, because he, prior to this project, didn't he didn't really know who those people were, and he, he found an interest. I mean, yeah, he, found, right. he found something he really liked through all of that, so that yeah. was cool. Now, the one kid that I, we laughed about, he did... Jesus. Yeah. Now we live in the middle of California. I thought it was a, a thing on Jesus. So <laughs> I was very confused as to why he, and I, and I didn't know which Jesus he was referring to. And then it turns out he had the books of the Bible kind of labeled. And Crown of Thorns. But yeah. actually, right next to the Jesus one was Adolf Hitler. So that was actually what well, I found. That's funny because that's the <laughs> great placement. spectrum people always give you when they talk yeah. about, you know, how good do good you think evil. you are? Yeah. Right. Well, on this end is Hitler, and then on this end over here would be Jesus. Right. So, and we got to see that. So we actually that's saw. Right. The spectrum. So that was going on this weekend. What else? We've uh, we're we're kind of going into a, a busy week, but mm-hmm. um, on a Sunday afternoon, we just did one of our favorite things. We got back from church and we had our favorite lunch, which was just a kind of an international cheese platter. Yeah, we just get good cheeses that we like and some sourdough bread, some crackers. To, there's cherries that are ripe right now in our area, so we had some cherries that we all debated over. Yeah, if you just heard a little noise in the background, don't worry about that. That might have been Mighty Joe waking up from his nap. Powered just, by cherries. I just, oh, <laughs> if, I'm looking forward to later today because Mighty Joe had so many cherries. Yeah. <laughs> so he may have just woken up. <laughs> powered by yeah, cherries. Yeah, powered by cherries. Uh, but we have a little mineral water and then we just sit around eating cheese. But this lunch descended into just buffoonery. Yeah. We, we got into diarrhea jokes. Oh. It was horrible. It was like, and I wasn't even in charge of this one. Because... Well, no, actually, we had an equal number of boys and girls at the table today. There yeah. were three boys and three girls, but somehow the girls got to laughing this, about that, too. This is our bottom six. You yeah. know, Our top two boys have, have launched, and they're, we don't really ever see them at meals anymore, except when they decide to be home and they're hungry. Or have no money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, just a reminder to our listeners, just to be loving your kids, um, we're still just really enjoying our time with them. You know, it's so stressful. Like, there's just so many things, and especially in a homeschooling home where it just... I just think for years, I, it, everything felt like work. Everything felt like work, you know, from, from the moment I woke up and, and it still is largely, but, um, take the time to enjoy them and have fun. Yeah. Yeah. As I'm looking over at my wife here, she's sitting here knitting and podcasting at the same time. That's what she can do. <laughs> and that's the other secret. I guess, and, right? and I just drink coffee. So well, I'm enjoying sneeze and then everybody would feel like they're in the studio with us. <laughs> Um, and I'm enjoying a nice hot cup of coffee from Caroline's Coffee Roaster. So before we get to our show, let's do a quick commercial for them, and then we'll get started. You know, I mentioned this on the last podcast, but we have an official coffee sponsor. That's right, Caroline's Coffee out of Grass Valley, California. It's in the heart of the gold country. 
Uh, They are the official coffee sponsor for the Homeschooling in Real Life podcast. Now, you know what that means. They supply coffee for this podcast, or really, they supply it for Fletch, because Kendra doesn't drink the stuff. Now, I get to drink it, I get to taste it, and I get to tell you about it. And every week, they have a featured coffee. Well, this week, I'm drinking a Costa Rican shade-grown organic coffee. It's it's off the Amistad farm, which they call a finca in uh, Costa Rica. And this is a great coffee. I mean, just smelling it right now here... Uh, I get the aromas of some caramels, some chocolates, or some light fruit to it. It goes down smooth. It's a really good coffee. Mild roast, uh, kind of a medium-bodied coffee, uh, if I was describing it. And, and I'd like you to try this. And that's really the deal. They provide coffee for me, but I want to get good coffee into all of your cups as well. I've been talking about this for months. You know how it, it's just not worth it to drink bad coffee. And So I put out the request to a lot of big coffee companies, a lot of good roasters, some people I knew personally. But Caroline's Coffee jumped on the opportunity. And again, they're not just providing coffee for me, but for our listeners. And if you'd like to try some, go to carolinescoffee.com. You know, choose whatever you'd like. You know, every week they're they're spotlighting coffee that I'm going to try, but you can get anything you'd like, any kind of bean, uh, any kind of roast. If you're a dark roast, a medium roast, light roast, you can get what you'd like. You put it in your shopping cart, but then at the end, here's where it gets good. You use the code that they're providing for you, which is H-I-R-L, HURL. And for our listeners, you'll get 10% off anything you purchase in their store. You know, I'd like you to run over there. I want you to support them. Uh, They were willing to support us, and I want to throw some love their way. I love this coffee, and I want you to love it too. And I'd love to hear from you if you enjoy it as well. It's carolinescoffee.com. Again, they're on the Internet. In real life, they're in the heart of the gold country in California. They're just up the highway from us. There's an actual store. There's an actual Caroline. And I'd love you to go there and check it out. Uh, Purchase some coffee. Let me know what you think. Thanks for using our sponsor. All right, so we're talking about African-American homeschoolers, and it was really interesting kind of how we stumbled into this topic. Mm-hmm. You, you have a friend um, through the homeschool world. Kendra is in this incredible homeschool world where she speaks, she writes, she blogs, and everybody knows her, and I'm her bag-carrying husband. At the end of the day, Fletch, it's the homeschool world. It's... <laughs> I have to explain that to a lot of people. Yeah, but before we get into the show, Kench, can we talk a little bit about the homeschooling world and the big issue going on right now? Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Why don't you? This is, um, I really truthfully, between the two of us, this is something you've been dying to talk about. And I'm like, oh, I know you don't want to talk about it. Okay, so here, this is right. We are are two days after the big Duggar story broke with the oldest Duggar son having a past with some issues of molesting some young women. Um, we don't know all the details. I don't, we don't know the Duggar family. So really to weigh in on any of this is pointless. Yeah. So let's not weigh in on that. Right. Um, and furthermore, when this first, this story first broke, you know, we talked about it and my goodness has Facebook, my Facebook feed is absolutely inundated with people's writings, you know, from all angles on this story. And to be honest with you, I, I just, the reason I thought we needed to discuss this is because I think our listeners want to, or they want to hear what we have to say about it. So what's a gospel response to anything like this? Yeah. So my gospel response to this is my first response is I don't care really. I I mean, I don't, I'm not going to, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't know this family. I don't know this person. There you go. Yeah. I don't know Doug Phillips. Mm -hmm. I don't know his family. Mm -hmm. I don't know the young woman that he has, he was accused of or proven of. I don't know these people. Right. But I know a lot of homeschoolers who put their hope in homeschool leaders. I know mm-hmm. a lot of homeschoolers who will go to a convention to hear the Duggars or a Duggar speak mm-hmm. because of who they are. Right. And they get put up on television, and it doesn't even have to be television. It can be they get put up on a huge blog. They get put up on a podcast. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So don't uh, I? I personally don't think anybody does this with us, but do not. Elevate us. We are just, like we've said before, we are beggars mm-hmm. who are helping other beggars find some food. If you like the food we've we've shown you, dig in. Mm-hmm. If you don't, move along, people. Nothing to see here. <laughs> um, you know, this idea that we 
promote people. And, and I've been guilty of doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I find absolutely. someone that I'm like, oh, boy, have you heard about what this person says? Right. And so the gospel response is the gospel. Mm-hmm. Don't put your hope in people, in ministries, in anything other than Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's equally as easy for me in the gospel-centered world to do that, mm-hmm. in great readers or great writers, great preachers mm-hmm. who promote the gospel and suddenly they get elevated. Right. It's not them. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, if anything, make a lot out of Jesus. Yeah. Make him the rock star. Yeah. Make him the uh, the reason and the focus, right? Do you have anything else to add? Yeah, the only thing I would add is just to, to remind us all that we live in a unique age for this. Uh, we didn't have this problem quite on such a global scale 25 years ago. But because of of the internet, because of you know quick media and all of the things that we that we live with today and sort of take for granted or yeah. we don't notice, you know, it's so easy to elevate an author, a pastor, a anyone. And it's so easy to skewer. Mm-hmm. I mean, right. you can get fired from a major job between an air, fl- air flight mm-hmm. from when you take off to when you land. You know, <laughs> right, you don't, we have seen I'm, that. I'm not going to go down that story, but yeah, yeah. you know, someone makes a comment on Twitter and mm-hmm. they're fired before the plane hits the ground. Right. Rightfully so. You know? Right, yeah. Um, but, but again, that's how this world works right now. It's mm-hmm. super fast. So yeah. enough said. Just, you had something else you want to say? Love God, love others. Yeah. Love coffee. <laughs> that's, ah. that's what my t-shirt says. Um, all right, so back on to our topic for today, which is black homeschoolers. Now, what had happened was I, I've just found it, you know, one thing I do now is just kind of scan the news for stories about homeschooling, the good, the bad, and the ugly, because I want to hear the real stories. Mm-hmm. And then I found that by having this podcast and having all of you as our listeners, thank you, uh, there's a real number associated with you now. Mm-hmm. And it's a big number. Yeah. And we, you know, we look at our statistics of how many people are listening, which is again, a little plug for iTunes. That is why it is so important for you to uh, go and write a review on iTunes because we actually, you know, kind of go up in rankings and that's a good thing. More people find us when they're searching on iTunes. So I'm searching for homeschooling topics. And um, one of the stories I found was a rise in African-American homeschooling and uh, so I, I clicked on the article. It was out of the the one I read initially was out of the Washington Post, although it was linked back and forth. And we'll put these in the show notes. Uh, but it was by a professor out of Temple University. Her name is uh, Ama Mazama. And as I read the article, you know, I, I looked through her reasons, and they weren't the reasons that I was guessing. You know, she had some reasons in there like racism, and she had some reasons in there like it's a pipeline for. Um, young black males in the public school system to be put from public school right into prison and that this is a real thing Mm -hmm. and this is not something in my world. You know, my little um, spinning tornado of my world doesn't cross over in this at all. So I wanted to know more about it. So I said, hey, I'm a podcaster. I talk about homeschooling. Would you like to talk to us? And I sent her an email and she wrote back and said she'd love to. So... I got her on the phone for this interview. This was just me. You were in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, and you listened to one side of the conversation. And really, technically, we had some problems. We tried to do it on Skype. It didn't work. You know, it's very difficult to interview someone across the country with Skype and computers and GarageBand and everything I use to, to do these recordings. So I ended up just calling her and recording the phone conversation. So I apologize if the quality isn't there. I'm doing everything I can now in post-production to really boost the audio so you can hear both of us. Um, but you may need to listen to this in a little quieter location. Um, but I really hope you enjoy this interview with Professor Ama Mazama from Temple University. She's the chair of Black Studies uh, and the chair of African American Studies and works with all the graduate and doctoral students. So this is not a shabby guest. She was, <laughs> I was really actually shocked she took the interview and then wanted to take so much time. Because uh, I caught her on a Sunday at her home, mm-hmm. uh, but a really great interview. Anything you want to say before I play this? Yeah, such a gracious and generous woman. We're so thankful she took the time to do this with us. But I also want to say, if you are like us and you are white homeschoolers and your world does not cross into the African-American world very much or at all, 
don't tune out. This is so important. We have really got to start understanding where our brothers and sisters are coming from and where what their their worldview is, what their experiences are. And, um, you know, we're, we're not going to heal issues of race in this country unless we begin to understand each other. And so this is such an important interview. All right. So let's go to the interview now and then stick with us because at the end, we're going to talk about a follow-up interview we're going to do in two weeks yes. to this interview uh, with Professor Mazama. Okay, Fletcher, I just wanted to jump in before this interview plays. Uh, I initially tried to do this interview on Skype, and I missed a little chunk, so it starts a little abruptly. Um, just bear with me, and you'll quickly get into the conversation. I'm, I'm a, a professor of African-American studies at Temple University, and I'm also the graduate director, meaning that I'm in charge of the master's and PhD doctoral students at the, in the Department of African American Studies at Temple. And I've been there for quite a few years, and I've also been homeschooling for 12 years. And how many children do you have? I have three children. And they're all homeschooled? Yeah, my oldest son now, he's 20, he's in college. And my youngest one is 10, and my daughter is 13, so I'm homeschooling those two children right now. But I homeschooled my oldest son from the time he was 8 to the time he was 18 and, you know, left home to go to college. Back to where we left off. Um, can you tell me again um, how it was that you, uh, why you started the uh, research that you were doing? Um, I started it because, again, I realized that, you know, as a, as a black homeschooling parent, I was interested, you know, in finding out what was out there in terms of research on black homeschoolers, and I realized that there was really next to nothing, and so that's how I got, you know, into this um, this project of finding out why, uh, why black people homeschool uh, more and more, and I was not satisfied either with the idea that I saw um, throughout the literature that somehow black people did it because white people did it, uh-huh. you know. I felt that, you know, it was really, uh, certainly it was not very scholarly to make that assumption. And somehow, you know, because of the um, unique experiences of black people in this country, um, and that's a unique, I, I should probably say, negative experiences, you know, in terms of dealing with racism, you know, starting with enslavement, Jim Crow, and, and all that stuff, you know, then I knew uh, from experience that there had to be something else. So, you know, I got into got the idea of going around the country and asking, simply asking black people, why are you doing this? And letting right. them speak their own truth and tell me, you know, why why they're doing it. And so we had some very candid conversations, you know, about their experiences, the experience of their children in schools, and it was some of it was quite horrendous. Now, can you uh, tell me a little bit about your findings regarding Eurocentrism in the public school system? Absolutely. That, that was one aspect of the racism that the parents complain about, the Eurocentric orientation of the curriculum. They said, you know, we send our children to school for all these years, and they know really, really nothing about themselves. And so uh, the idea was that, you know, how can you be considered educated if you know nothing about your own history and culture? And worse, if you feel really bad about who you are, because that's also um, the flip side, I guess, of not learning about yourself, that you, uh, the message is that really you are irrelevant and insignificant. And the conclusion is that, you know, what, who you are is really not worth mentioning. And, and, you know, so we see that everything is always brought back to Europe, the experiences of European Americans, as if that's all there was to be learned about and to know. Now, one of the things that we heard you say was that if you're an African-American child in the public school system, uh, your history goes back only as far as slavery in America. Absolutely, yes. And and that you found to be consistent with the families you spoke with. Well, absolutely. They they really complain about that bitterly because they said, you know, this is really not... And in fact, several parents said, you know, how embarrassing it was for them when they were in school 
uh, when, you know, that's, that's all there was to the history of black people in this country. They only talked about, you know, 1619, black people being slaves and they being the descendants of slaves, you know. So it was a source of shame, a source of embarrassment. Um, and some said, you know, they would have preferred if nothing had been mentioned at all. Uh, so the idea is, you know, what? How do we change this narrative? You know, how do we, how do we give the children a sense of history that is empowering and inspiring, and which is also just because suddenly the people who came to the United States or to America, at least in 1619, the African people came with a culture, history. They came with their names. They came with their religion. They came, you know, with their culture. Mm-hmm. So why don't we talk about this? as being an essential part of what it means to be, you know, an African-American today, as opposed to focusing on this uh, problematic relationship you know, between a slave who is black and the master who is white, you know. So um, definitely that, that was the main, main problem. And then, you know, basically African-American history being reduced to a few Talkins, if you wish, you know, they talk about Martin Luther King, they talk about uh, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, and to now, you know, Barack Obama. So they give you this very uh, simplistic, if you wish, you know, view of, of what the experiences of black people in this country have been. Um, so there was definitely a great sense of dissatisfaction with that approach. You know, they felt it was very reductive and not doing justice at all to the richness of of, uh, of the history and culture of, of African people, wherever, you know, we find ourselves. Now, in these families that you spoke with, um, did, did you feel as though there were differences regionally, whether you spoke with an African-American family that lived on what would be perceived as, you know, the liberal West Coast, um, versus the Deep South, versus the, the North or Northwest, or was there any differences there? No, you know, I really didn't sense that at all. I really didn't sense that at all. Um, no, no, I cannot say that, no. Okay, all right. And then um, uh, we really enjoyed uh, part of your interview where you talked about the difference between... Um, providing, you know, because a lot of people might be saying, oh, well, everybody has an education in America. Could you talk a little bit about the difference that you've found between schooling and education? Yes, absolutely. You know, that's not my concept, you know, but but certainly schooling, and and it's interesting you mentioning that because I think it's very, very important. You know, we, we send our children to school thinking they're going to be educated, but the, what happens is really that they undergo a schooling process which is pretty much a brainwashing process um, that, uh, you know, according to some and according to me, you know, uh, really turns them into non-thinking, um, you know, and, and and many other things, you know, people, you know, and, and, and also that make, can um, I say, dumps them down, really. Uh, so schooling is that because it's, it's a process that was set up to begin with uh, historically in this country, to turn people into good citizens who would go along with the status quo. And the status quo is what is, you know, capitalism, it is sexism, it is racism. Uh, it prepares you to take your place and stay in your place in a system that is fundamentally anti-life, if you ask me. So um, education is, is something very different. Education uh tries to nurture you know your very unique um abilities uh, by allowing you to develop all of your talents so not just intellectual but you know spiritual artistic physical moral so it's a holistic process uh, and it's about transmitting values to the next generation that's not what schooling is about, truly. Schooling is about uh, brainwashing people to make them behave in particular ways that are consistent with the interests of the people who are in charge. Our, our listeners may be listening to that. Um, whether someone's a white homeschooler or an African-American homeschooler, they could look at that and say, that's exactly why we're not 
in the school system either. You know, we didn't want this basic brainwashing. And then even maybe more so for a lot of our listeners who are Christian homeschool parents Mm -hmm. saying, we definitely don't want to be in the public school system. Um, But as you kind of went through uh, one of the lectures we listened to, uh, one of the conclusions was um, we are not homeschooling for the same reason, meaning the white homeschooling movement that came out of the 1964 Civil Rights Act Mm -hmm. and the the African-American families that you're talking to currently. Can you discuss a little bit of that with me? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, we, we, are not, we are homeschooling for the same reasons in part, right? Mm-hmm. But we are not homeschooling for the same reasons for, 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 simply because, you know, white homeschoolers don't have to deal with racism. Mm-hmm. You see, that's something that is, that is a challenge that is specific to people of color, in particular black people. You know, I don't think that my concept of racial protectionism would make sense for white homeschoolers. I would not expect that. But I would expect that we would have similar concerns about what could happen or what would happen to our children if we send them to school, uh, not just from a racial standpoint or not from a racial standpoint, but from other standpoints. You know, would they be turned into little idiots? You know, would they be taught things that I dis- that we, the parents, disagree with? You know, you're a Christian, I'm not a Christian, I, I believe in certain values that I want to transmit to my children, and I know that the school will really undermine my effort to socialize my child in the way that I, you know, see fit. So, I would, you know, we would share that, yes. But mm-hmm. when it comes to the, the, the racism part, I don't think, you know, there's common ground there because, you know, um, we're different in that regard. Yes, now, because you bring that up, uh, I was very interested in, in how you um, presented that, even in, you know, I, I would just think people are saying, really, that's the, the, the key of what's happening in the school system is racism, um, but hearing you lecture on that, mm-hmm. uh, we, we both said, oh, I, I, you know, even our eyes were opened a little bit as yeah. what we consider to be, you know, progressive homeschooling parents. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about that racism and then also maybe the transition of uh, the two biggest points you have is racism and then transition from school to prison. <laughs> Absolutely, but, 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 but that's part of it. You see, the, the racism in school takes several forms. Some are, some are very obvious, some are not so obvious. They're more subtle and they're probably more dangerous. Um, there's the, the, the institutional racism when we talked about the curriculum. You know, what do the children learn or what do they not learn? You know, that's what they call hidden, the hidden curriculum, the Mm -hmm. null curriculum. And I can assure you, as as a black person, I didn't grow up in this country, but the situation was the same. Went to school for 12 years and never learned anything about Africa, never learned that my ancestors came from Africa. You know, it's... And you get out of of that that schooling system, you, you don't have a clue of where you're coming from. Yeah. And you don't have a clue where you're coming from, then how, how will you even know where to go? You go in the wrong direction. You know, you start looking for your ancestors where they possibly could not be, and, and you are lost and you are confused. So there is this aspect of the curriculum, which is institutional, but there is also the individual racism, and the, 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 the parents complain a lot about the, the teachers. You know, I was surprised. I was surprised. Um but they, they described, you know, how the teachers would relate to their children and, and be, basically be mean-spirited to their children, basically undermine their children's sense of self-confidence and self-worth. Uh, you know, the teachers come in with the idea that, you know, those black children are necessarily less intelligent, uh, cannot possibly be good at math or science and, and act upon, you know, their assumptions, which, you know, and all this has a devastating impact on the children. Um, and, of course, you know, there's also, because of the teachers that, that seem to play such a central role in this whole, um, you know, um, racist uh, makeup or setup in the schools, um, they are also very quick to refer black children to the criminal justice system, what they call the justice system, which Mm -hmm. is really not so just at all. (laughs) Um, But you know that we heard stories about a five or six-year-old little black girl who had a tantrum, you know, like a lot of young children do, Uh and the police was called in, and now this this little girl has a, a criminal record. 
mm. at six years of age. You know, that's what we're talking about because with that record, it, they're really setting her up, you know, yep. for really a life of entanglement with this criminal system. And she will most likely end up in prison. That's what the statistics tell us. Um, you also have this, um, this is incredible, this um, disproportionate placement of black children in special uh, education classes. And when you get this uh, special ed label, you know, then that's basically what they tell themselves, the, the researchers say, that it's like an educational grave. Um, chances that you will not graduate from high school, uh, you will definitely not go to college. It's going to be extremely difficult because, you know, what college is going to take you, you know, with your special ed label. And anyway, you will not have the academic skills because you will have been served or watered down you know, education, and, and the education that our children get in those public schools or private schools is not that great to begin with. Or imagine a watered-down version or, or, you know, of that. You will not be prepared to, to go to college anyway. Hi, this is Carol Topp from the Dollars and Cents Show podcast. You're listening to Homeschooling in Real Life. When you're done listening to Clutch and Kendra here, why don't you head on over to the Dollars and Cents show where I talk about something of interest to everybody, that's money, and also a big old dose of common sense. I'll talk to you about uh, running a micro business, managing money, career exploration, and sometimes tips for running a homeschool organization as well. Hey, I always enjoy listening to Fletch and Kendra, and I hope you'll enjoy the other podcasts here at the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. You can find us at iTunes as well, and I, um, I hope you'll consider dropping a great review both for all the work Fletch and Kendra do here at the Homeschool Real Life Podcast as well as my show, Dollars and Cents. Thanks, everybody. homeschooling is not new to the African-American uh, mindset because that's what they were doing or, or, or potentially that's, that's part of how mm-hmm. education took place uh, during enslavement. Absolutely. It's, it's not new. It's not new. Uh, today it is less dangerous because back in the days, you know, you could get killed. You know, there was the, what they called the compulsory ignorance laws that were p- passed in 1740. Uh, where, you know, the the slave masters, the white colonists were adamant that they did not want to have enslaved Africans who could read and write. And we know why, it's because you know, they wanted to keep people ignorant, not understanding what was going around them, not being able to communicate with others who shared their same unfortunate, you know, fate. And so they passed those laws. And they were very serious about that. But we see, however, that we still had black people who took chances and and learned to read and write and, and would teach others to read and write. So, um, yes, so obviously that was done in the privacy, you know, of, of slave quarters and so on and so forth, um, you know, in, in hiding, but it, it did happen. So black people going back to staying home or keeping their children home, you know, that's that's not new. Um it's it's interesting that you know we're doing this today, obviously for different reasons, um, because all those things that we had believed in, this educational that we had really, the education that we had fought for, clearly has not really served us well. Now, are are is your research shown, or, or just your experience? Um, homeschoolers tend to be a bunch of, well, at least they have been renegades. Are are African American families uh, finding that a welcome place? to participate and to educate their children, or are there some inherent challenges even within homeschooling? Uh, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting. You know, I, I did a book, I wrote a book uh, with my husband, uh, it's called African American Homeschoolers, Motivations, Challenges and Opportunities. And there are challenges. One of them is the isolation. You know, this probably will change a bit now because there are more black people homeschooling. But one of the things that many, many black homeschooling parents shared with us was that they felt very unwelcome among um, homeschooling groups, which is very interesting because, you know, and ironic in a way because we, we do not go, we do not send our children to school because we want to 
protect them from racism, but when we try to join homeschooling groups, then we encounter the same situation where we are not welcome and not treated very nicely. Um, you know, black parents shared stories of, you know, black mothers, for example, showing up at a homeschooling meeting and um, the, the white mothers uh, would assume that, you know, the black woman was on welfare. Professor Mazama, this is yeah. why we exist in the Homeschooling yeah. in Real Life podcast. Yeah. We love to talk about these hard things. We, you know, we, we need to, yeah. Because we, are, we love to step into honesty and say, yeah. you know, that's jacked up. <laughs> that yes, would it is. It do is. That. And I don't care whether it's just an inherently, uh, you know, white homeschooling involvement that does that or, or the, like we're involved in the Christian homeschooling movement where we just see crazy behavior. Yes. And that is. little example is just ridiculous. So I it love is. that you shared it. You, 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 can you imagine a white mother who comes with her children to a meeting will never be assumed to, to be a, a, on welfare. I mean, she could be, but that will not be the assumption. You know, yeah. but the black woman who shows up with her three or four children is automatically assumed to be on welfare and is treated in in in, in a particular kind of way. So of course, you know, they don't feel welcome and they don't go back. Are there any more challenges um, for African Americans? So I, I talk about the acceptance. I talk about uh, the isolation. Yeah. You know, and because you know, as homeschoolers, you know, there are moments where we may doubt. You know, so we have doubts about what we're doing, and it, it's good to have a community, you know, with whom uh, to whom we can go, and uh, you know, for advice, you know, sharing ideas, sharing practices, and and many black homeschoolers just don't have that. It's really they're pretty much alone, and they feel very much alone. So, was there anything inherent? to um, getting criticism from within their own culture. You know, hey, don't don't try and do this. That's the school's responsibility, more so than a general homeschool family. You know, it's difficult for me, again, to speak about that, you know, because I don't want to see race when it's not, you know. But yeah. one, one, one thing that I did, I did hear was, you know, why are you betraying? the struggle that and and the victories that we we had you know because we know that africans uh, african americans fought very hard to secure access to public education you know, starting you know at the after the you know the end of slavery um that african americans really pushed very hard for this you know with the 1954 you know brown versus board of topeka decision which basically opened up uh, or supposedly opened up the doors of public schools to black children so the idea is that you know we have a long history we fought really hard to get our children into those public schools and now you're abandoning that so that i heard many times Okay. You know, that we black people, we fought for this and we have to stay in those public schools. And, you know, of course, you know, for, you know, some, some parents said they were torn. They were torn. They felt that they were indeed betraying. But at the same time, when they see the reality for black children in those public schools, they cannot subject their children to this, you know. So if they have to betray, then, then they will betray. Uh, but it was not necessarily a good place, you know. And the, the other thing that I heard in terms of challenge, and that is probably not a specifically black situation, is the financial, you know, um, oh, yeah. sacrifices that, you know, as a homeschooling family you have to make, you know, because oftentimes the mother has to stay home with the children. Or if she works, you know, it can only be part-time. So I heard that, you know, a lot. It was a you know, great deal of frustration. And it's probably um, more acute for black people because we already have a lower, you know, um, financial income, you know, than white families. Uh, and so the toll is, you know, is great, you know, in that regard. If we, if we have listeners, and I know mm -hmm. we have listeners that have gone through this adoption process, Mm -hmm. and have a biracial family now, um, what is your encouragement to them as far as education? Is it to pursue more history or to... Uh, and, and that's going to lead to a question of, is there a problem with curriculum right now for African-American families who are choosing to homeschool? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to talk about this as, as also being another challenge, which is that, you know, African-American homeschoolers have a hard time finding educational materials, you know, to teach their children the way they would like to teach them. So that's definitely a problem, you know. Uh, and even for Christian, you know, black Christian homeschoolers, they say, you know, sometimes we are torn. We have, we seem to have to make a choice between our blackness and our being Christian, you know. Mm-hmm. We have those beautiful Christian books, but they're all about little white girls or little white boys. And our children do not look like that. Yeah. And remember, that was one of the reasons why they, they withdrew from the school system, you know, because they wanted a curriculum that was more relevant to them. And here I they al- find themselves, you know, in the same predicament, pretty much. I remember you saying that it seemed like all the names in the stories were even... Uh, yeah. Like Emily and... And Jason, yes. or what? You no, know, the, they were mostly yes, white names versus black names. So we will be. We're interviewing a friend. I know I mentioned that in the email. Uh, Belinda Bullard. She has uh, written kind of an inclusive history curriculum, but she, like you, a homeschool mom, and so she had been stymied with some curriculum and then decided to write her own. Yes. So, Yes, I, I, I did that myself. You know, I, I eventually produced uh, produced a workbook for black children. I really for any any child who wants to be educated about African history and African American history, um, you know, it's called African Foundations. You know, okay. so I produced that book. I think the book came out in two thousand and thirteen, about well, almost two years ago. We'll put a link in our in our show notes to that book. Okay. Okay. Great. And um so yes, yeah, so the the the, the Curriculum content is, is a problem, you know, finding materials. So what we end up doing is going to different sources and putting things together. But there's something that I heard parents complain a lot about, you know. They wish that they had a curriculum that was ready to use, that they could, you know, you know, play with a bit, you know, but something that they do would give them some structure and some content that they could rely on. So if, if parents, white parents adopted a, an African child, you know, I would really insist that they let the child know where they are coming from. So, so give them a sense of roots, you know, and history and, and continuity. Okay. Uh, that would be the very minimum. And hopefully be able to take the child back to Africa so the child can see for themselves, you know, what it looks like and where, where you know, where they came from. So uh, where do you go from here? Um, not you as a writer or you as a mm-hmm. But um, if we have listeners that are listening and saying, wow, my mind's been opened, um, where do we go in the homeschooling movement um, to help solve some of these issues? Is that something the movement tries to solve, or is that something that African Americans within the movement, you know, let's let's start creating curriculum, let's, Mm -hmm. let's deal with our isolation um, yeah, people, that, that's what that's what basically people are doing. You know, like for example, for the issue of isolation, um, when I saw people really um, go out of their way looking for other black homeschoolers, and that's how you know we were able to find families because one family would you know spread the word, and one family would bring two or three other families to us, and that was really beautiful. Like that, uh, you have black homeschooling co-ops. You know, so. Yes, you know, people are organizing to deal with these issues. Um, curriculum, of course, um, you know, trying to come up with materials. And I think that as the uh, home black uh, involvement in homeschooling uh, becomes stronger and stronger, we will overcome many of those problems, you know. Right now, it's pretty much the beginning, if you wish. So, you know, now there is... Um, uh, black homeschooling uh, exposition in Atlanta. As I think uh, it's been there for two years now, in July. Oh, okay. So, yeah, so black homeschoolers are getting together in Atlanta to basically share resources, educational resources. Because, you know, I've been to some, you know, homeschooling sales, especially when I was, sometimes I would meet families there. And honestly, there's really nothing, nothing for black homeschoolers there. Mm. Nothing. That's why we're really excited to to talk to Belinda um, and about her curriculum. 
and I want to take what I've talked to you about and kind of transfer it over. And uh, well, I, I want to thank you so much for taking the time. You, uh, you're welcome. You're for welcome. Doing this. You, yeah, if you want to do a second part, no problem. Okay. Yeah, I would thank love you. to uh, reserve yes. that right to call back and get more information. Yes, yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a good evening. Okay. Please. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. You too. All right, we're back to wrap up the show. Um, mind blown. You know, <laughs> some of the things she had to say there were not things that this, um, what's our, what's our, are we Anglo-American? White American, uh, 46-year-old homeschooling dad has ever thought of. Right. So yeah. uh, I, I have was, an Eastern European and, yeah, Eastern European background. Yeah. Um, but prior to my, uh, my ancestors, yeah, you know, great-grandparents coming to the United States to find work and freedom, that classic story through Ellis Island. Um, that is my, that is my world. That's yeah. my, my viewpoint. Yeah. And mine as well. I mean, it's only one generation up from my parents that we were European. Right. Uh, and Italian and European. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And well, except for the Fletcher part. But other than that. Right. If you knew the other three grandparents in Fletcher's background, you would understand why he is a short, <laughs> round, dark haired, olive skinned. Yeah. And that's that's the viewpoint. So to to hear her talk about history, to hear her talk about the response to uh, any African American child, it it is mind blowing to to realize that this is going on. And I think you and I both have talked a lot about the fact that being from California, we see less of that, or we see it projected onto maybe a Hispanic culture. You know, more there's mm-hmm. uh, there there are conversations we overhear or that we are in that there there are slights taken at the Hispanic population, but certainly not or the Asian, black population. Even Asian because definitely the you know, Asian we, we lived well. through a um an explosion uh in the mid seventies mm-hmm. of um Southeast Asian yeah. immigrants yeah, coming yeah, to the America. Mongs and the Vietnamese, um, right. Um but th- thanks again over and over to Professor Mazama for taking the time to do this interview. We really hope that you enjoyed this. We hope that this was something for you. There's a conversation here. Let's start it. Uh, That can happen in many places here with homeschooling in real life. Uh, The first is on Facebook at facebook.com slash homeschooling IRL. And if you are on Facebook with us this week, we'll be posting further articles and uh, blog posts and things that might be helpful in regards to this topic. Then if you want to tweet to us, it's at homeschool IRL. If you would like to email us, info at homeschoolingirl.com. Let's keep this conversation going. This one, I think, is important. Now, to follow up this conversation, um, this came from a homeschooling mom who's not a Christian. Uh, mm-hmm. Professor Mazama's not a Christian. Mm-hmm. So we have a uh, a friend of Kendra's that she has met in the blog and homeschooling world. Yeah, Belinda Bullard has created, actually, a curriculum for uh, in an inclusive history. It, so in other words, she wrote this knowing that as an African-American, her kids were not going to get all of that history and uh, culture that she wanted them to have that, that Professor Mazama talks about. And so she, she created that curriculum. I would say this is just as important if you are Latino, if you have an Asian background, if you are uh, white, you know, wherever your culture comes from, it's important to have some sort of an inclusive idea of what we come, what all of us have battled over the years and come from. Yeah. So tune in. That'll be two weeks. We're going to have a little homeschooling in real life to go next week. That'll be fun. Uh, but in two weeks, we're going to spend a little more time. We've already recorded that sit down with Belinda, and it's rich, and mm-hmm. it's exciting. And it's it's fun to see how God took a homeschooling mom yeah. and really encouraged her to do something that was way out of her comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so there's a bunch of reasons to be listening to that. One is, you know, just follow up. Second, if you're a homeschooling mom and, and you need some encouragement or homeschooling dad and you need some encouragement on maybe doing something that you feel God's calling you to do, that's part of her story as well. So we want to thank you. This was a little bit of a longer episode, but totally worth it. Thanks for listening, and we'd love to hear back from you. Uh, don't forget, head on over to iTunes, shoot us a five-star uh, review, and or leave some comments. Or just reach out to us and let us know. And uh, we have this contest wrapping up tonight from last week for a pound of coffee. So That's right, folks. midnight tonight, mm-hmm. the night this show comes out, we need to hear from you. And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. The Homeschooling IRL podcast is a part of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. 
Every show is written and produced by Andy and Kendra Fletcher. For more information on this podcast or to contact your hosts, please visit us on our website and blog at homeschoolingirl.com.